Welcome to Better Cast Saul, the officially unofficial podcast for Better Call Saul on AMC. I'm Jim. Uh, I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 10, entitled Click. Uh, this is the way you spell like a, a measurement of distance, yeah? Uh, yeah, I think they're going for the uh, click as in the NATO use of the word for kilometer. Right, right. Uh, I was listening to the Insider cast, and they said that this basically how far Mike was, you know, roughly mm-hmm. from uh, for his shot, mm-hmm. trying to take that shot. So yeah, he's he's about a kilometer out, and they named a click. Some other click references, maybe. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about them here or wait until we get into the recap. But there's actually there's feedback regarding it. There is. So okay. I figured we wait till we got there. Cool. That works for me. Uh, Anything you want to say before we get into the recap? Yeah, of course. What did you think of the episode? Uh, oh, boy. It was good. It was real good. It was real strong. Uh, I'm As a season finale, like that's my, my the only place where I get a little bit hung up mm. as a season finale, but I, th- I thought the episode was one of the strongest of the season. Uh, it's surprisingly captivating for how mundane it all is Mm -hmm. (laughs) like nobody gets killed uh nobody even hits their head as in last episode right we're dealing with kind of the aftermath of all that uh i don't know and i guess leaving it kind of where we leave it with chuck and jimmy is good uh i i'm just i don't know i want more the problem is i want more like i want to immediately come back to this next week yeah, and see how it all plays out. But I mean, it's, you gotta wait. it's the it's the kind of extended wrap up version of the finale with a little bit of setup for next year, like a lot of conflicts. Uh, things feel unfinished, which is I think you know this is more of a Game of Thrones style finale where the real fireworks happened last episode, and this is just watching yeah. how those morph into the state of the board for next season. Absolutely. Um, but no, still I like it. I am amazed. That we're watching two separate shows jammed together for seemingly no good reason. Like, the things that Mike were, was doing in the desert mm-hmm. had no bearing on Jimmy or Chuck at all and vice versa. Right. Yet we're just, like, it's. It, I, can you think of another example where s- something this crazy of disparity between the levels of action and suspense and uh, are in one show, much less that they're pulling it off? Uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, it's, it's kind of gotten more and more like two shows right. jammed together. Like we started off, there was, you know, a couple connections between Mike and Jimmy and yeah that kind of stuff, but it's, it's kind of branched off. It, whereas, you know, most, most plot will start like separated and then come together. Sure. It feels like it's doing the opposite, right? I know. It's branching out like a tree. Yeah. Uh, but I'm enjoying it thoroughly. Like it helps that we've known these characters for a very long time coming right. off Breaking Bad. Yeah, I, it's just weird because like I I know there's sometimes in procedurals you'll get that like Star Trek every once in a while you'd have Picard's on the Enterprise learning how to play the flute, Riker's down on a planet getting bit by some tree monster. <laughs> very there's there's nothing that the A and B plots don't really have anything to do with each other. But that's uh-huh. kind of like where well everyone's got uh, a third of a script. Let's combine them. And put them together. It's, it's that's very yeah. episodic procedural television. Mm-hmm. I in Serial Land, like this is really, really bizarre. It's working for me. Yeah, I, I have no complaints. It's a little bit like a Boardwalk Empire in the midst of all what Nucky was doing. You would have mm-hmm. followed like his brother's wife 
and she was ru- she was running essentially a, a sitcom about how many Irish Catholic kids we got. Oh, like my gangster husband! Didn't and- we for a while we followed uh, the fuckface when he was building his house? Who's fuck right? Oh, Zod, General Zod. Yeah, whatever his name is. Uh, but that was always coming back into eventually. Yeah, yeah it did. I mean, I'm not complaining. It's just the no, damnedest no. thing. I was thinking as like my heart was in my throat the whole time with mm-hmm. Mike's sniper shot. Like, this is crazy that this is in the middle of Better Call Saul. What the fuck? Right. They yeah, and- they went ahead and gave me my Mike in Vietnam prequel. <laughs> Essentially, mean, yeah. God. Yeah, a couple of snipers like locking in a shot. Like you get a lot of a lot of interesting stuff here, and it it was interesting because in the the uh, Breaking Bad Insider, Vince Gilligan was talking about how oh I had to direct this episode, and I really liked the script, but I wasn't looking forward to shooting it as a director because not a lot happens. He had the one boring. set piece with the sniper thing that he thought would be really cool. Yeah, yeah, and the rest of it is in a hospital and just like. Could be very mundane, and I like the things that they did to kind of spice it up. They did, which we'll talk about. Um, we should probably yeah, start I, doing that. Uh, okay, uh, I was I was just thoroughly engaged in this episode from mm-hmm. start to finish. Uh, so we start off with Chuck and Jimmy staying beside their dying mother, uh, bedside with her, and it's been about three days. Jimmy's hungry, and he decides I'm going to get food, even though Chuck's like, "Yeah, you probably shouldn't." Uh, so as soon as he leaves, their mother wakes up, calls for Jimmy. And, uh, of course, he's not there, and then she dies. When Jimmy gets back, the room's empty. He finds Chuck, who tells him, uh, look, Mom's gone. And Jimmy asks if she woke up or said anything. And Chuck's like, nope. Mm-hmm. Not a thing, brother. What's funny is I, with the feedback we got, I mean, I'm starting to wonder whether some of the stuff I feel about Chuck is my own baggage I'm bringing into this as far as how I feel about them, because... There was a person that said that they thought it was touching that Chuck spared Jimmy from the ang- whoa right no that he spared ang- anguish from from his moment of weakness stepping outside to get food he missed his chance to connect whoa. with his mother that's not how I read it well I I know but like I think it's a valid thing to read into it my read is that Chuck was you know j- jealous that his mom wakes up and only says Jimmy 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 um, right. And also, he's spiteful. He doesn't want to know that that was the thought. I mean, I, yeah, I thought it's another Chuck is a real asshole. Yeah, me too. Uh, I suppose you could read it the other way. Um, I don't know how that factors into the rest of the episode. Because Chuck could have really uh, twisted a knife. You know, yeah. Jimmy, your, mo- uh, your, your, your mom woke up within minutes of you walking out the door. Enjoy that ham sandwich you got. Yeah, I'm, I, I hope that ham sandwich ra- lasts the rest of your life. Right. <laughs> Right, but you know, I, I I guess, and and that's the thing. Like, if I, I get, I think if Vince and Pete wanted to be completely one way or another about it, they can film that scene where he just just grinds Jimmy. The reason yeah. they're, they're they're going down this middle is so people can kind of project their own feelings about Chuck. Oh, and I love and Jimmy it. on it. I mean, I I am shocked that two seasons in, I still. Even when they're so at odds and getting ever more at odds, I still sympathize with both of these brothers. Like, I don't feel like one of them is the good guy and one of them is the bad guy. It's getting harder and harder for me to sympathize with Chuck. Okay. I, it's been, I, and I'm I, I want to see how last... he uses this evidence, but. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, I can, I can pity him as a human being for going through this experience in the hospital we're about to get into. Right. But it's so much. I don't know. Like, well, here's the thing. So. 
Like, even if it's... The thing is, I keep telling myself, is, like, uh, even if it's all in his head, yeah. that's still a real affliction. You know? Uh, it's sure. like, he's not consciously yeah. doing this to get attention or whatnot. This is this is a mental illness we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard to maintain that perspective when I know he plays it up for sympathy and for, right. like, essentially... Uh, he 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 plays it up for scamming purposes. Mm-hmm. Like, and I feel Certainly like that's in this episode. That's the other thing is that the brothers are becoming closer and closer in terms of how they operate and how they see the world as they drift further and further apart emotionally. And hmm. you know, it's interesting. I, we we need to come back to that at the end of this uh, recap. Sure, I, I want to talk about a lot of that stuff when we get to the the final scene. Um, you know what? Her their mother calling out for Jimmy at the end of this. Uh, when I saw that happen, it very much struck me as the relationship that Jesse and his little brother have with their parents. Yeah. And it seems like the parents, you know, uh, his little brother's like, oh, well, yeah, they like you way more than they like me. They spend all their time thinking about you. Yeah. Uh, that's what it felt like here is that, you know, they're they're always looking out for the troubled son. Right. Yeah. And the other one feels, you know, neglected or just left out or something. Um and maybe you can see that as a little bit of an impetus for Chuck being the guy he is. Right. And kind of always over-concerned with what Jimmy's doing because his parents are. Huh. It reminds me of... It reminds me of these, these like, primate experiments they did in, like, the 50s and 60s where they'd have two... they have surrogate mother monkeys are made out of this wireframe shit. It's like these, like, Terminator monkeys. And <laughs> one of them would be... Uh, rigged up with like functional nipples, so the mon- the baby monkey could go and suckle on it and get milk. And but it was just bare bones. It was just a Terminator monkey. And the other one had none, had no material provisions, but it was covered in like fur, realistic fur. Mm-hmm. And they found that the baby monkey preferred the companionship of the furry mother than the milk mother. Okay. And I feel like that Jimmy is the furry monkey, and Chuck is the milk mother. Chuck provides where mm-hmm. he takes care of the practical concerns. He doesn't make you feel loved. He's got the nipples. He, he's got the nipples. The nipples yeah. are dispensing. Right. Uh, but he doesn't make you feel loved. He doesn't make you feel safe or protected or warm. No. Uh, Jimmy makes you feel those things. He makes you feel like... Uh, uh, and, and that's essentially how he wins the war. Well, the battle. The war is yet to be... It rages on. Mm-hmm. That's how he wins with uh, Ernie. You know, Ernie at the it yeah. makes a snap call versus the ter- the you know the fearsome god of a boss he's got, and Jimmy from the copy machine room for the copy room and the mail room, and he picks Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's it's, uh, Saul. Saul's cuddlier. Jimmy's cuddlier than. Oh, than without old a doubt, Chuck. he's just, old <laughs> Chuck is just wireframe. You know. Well, lukewarm, he's in a space blanket, lukewarm so it's milk really... coming from his freaky rubber nipples. It's he looks like a Terminator. It's a horror thing. show. Yeah, yeah. He's wrapped up in a space blanket, looking like a baked potato. Yeah. Uh, so we go to the copy shop, right where we left it at the end. And of last you episode. called this. You thought I thought sure that the big this was going to be a season two Jane vomit situation, and Jimmy was just going to watch it happen, and you were sure that he was going to go across the street. He's got to, man. Man, they are really pumping the brakes on this shift at Saul. See? Hmm. I guess that says a lot about what you think of Saul. Uh, so Does, Jimmy's uh, not Saul the kind would... of guy who lets his brother languish on the floor there in pain. Uh, but Saul is? Yeah, Saul's I think Saul's the kind guy. of guy that lets his asshole brother die. 
rather than get in trouble with the his law. His own brother? His asshole brother. <laughs> if Chuck had some fur on him, it might Maybe. be different. But no, he's just wireframe <laughs> nipple guy. Yeah, at this point I was wondering, will Chuck even remember that this happened? But yeah, he definitely does. He They wheel him into the hospital. Well, how much of this was a... Nah, there's no way. I was going to say, was any of this a put on to lure Jimmy out of hiding? But there's no way Chuck could have known. I mean... I don't think this is. Clearly, later on, yeah. there, there's a put-on. But Also, I felt like that Villigan... I don't know that... I, I feel like he did me dirty last episode. Um, or Why? I guess I guess it would be the Gould. Uh, that he played that shot to his head as medically significant. And it's it essentially a scratch. Like, right. You're it's using all of your art to sell this million dollar baby moment. He's got a broken neck. He's got a, a, a <laughs> yeah, fractured skull. We were. And he's about out of the hospital serious. within 20 hours. 20 of those hours was just Chuck's psychosomatic bullshit. Right. So, what the hell? I am a little peeved about the, 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 the episode, I think, on rewatch is going to be a little harm knowing that this is just a, essentially a boo boo. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I. Sure. I can see that. It did. It did look vicious. It looked brutal. Yeah, it went, and they intended it to do so. To, mm-hmm. to, to, to look like that. Yeah. Uh, so they wheel him into the hospital. In, a, in another brutal scene here. He's he's on a gurney. He's in bad shape. He's being poked and prodded by the doctors with all their electronics. He's he's refusing any kind of scans or electronic treatments, even though he's not in any really in any real condition to do so. Uh, this shot is incredible. It is great. Like. I can see this shot being the most boring thing on the planet. Like sure. doctors rush in, they're like this is the bad looking him over. Right, it's it's a, the worst kind of the procedural stakes, yeah. doctor drama bullshit. Just filming this from this angle and flipping it upside down mm-hmm. makes it so intense yep. because I we're with that character, right? We don't ever leave Chuck's side, and yep. we feel like we almost feel the the what's happening sensation like what get all this stuff away from me i want to be left alone like you feel like you're being poked and prodded in this scene yeah and and it's also remarkable that essentially five minutes of this multi-million dollar production is being filmed with a two thousand dollar camera you can buy at best buy right they talked about it on the insider cast it's some sony yeah like a real small camera that they just mounted at the top of this board yeah uh, and I guess they didn't know that they were going to do this until post. Like Vince Gilligan filmed a whole bunch of the regular standard drama. Sure, I, I, doctors. I think anytime you swing for defenses, a smart. If you got time and you're smart, you film some more conservative stuff. Just like, oh yeah. shit, this isn't going to work. All right, cut to the B roll. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, cut to the, the it cut is rate ER stuff. Uh, but yeah, they didn't. They didn't even know that's what they were going for. They're just like, yeah, shoot everything. Mm-hmm. And then they pulled this out in editing, which is pretty amazing. Uh, we were wondering last episode if he was going to be paralyzed, if he like how bad this injury was. Here, it's clear that he can move at least one hand, but he's like kind of tied down, sure, uh, in a way. And it, I wasn't sure yet, but th- this scene is so harrowing. It is because you're still thinking that he could be some, you know, in real, uh, real bad shape. Yeah. Um, I noticed there was some buzz after our podcast on this, the Better Call Saul subreddit of people thinking that Marie was going to show up in a scene like this. Right. I guess some interview that that they'd read into Vince and Peter talking about and having mm-hmm. Betsy Brandt and 
you know, she's an X-ray technician in the show. Yeah. What What would Jim Jones think about if like it, 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 it bullshit? Didn't, it didn't sit just like it literally panned over her working an X-ray machine or putting up X-rays on the board or something. Like if if she doesn't have a line, they can get away with it. Okay. You're such a she doesn't you're have such a, line, a bastard. I'm, I'm drawing the line. Gould, <laughs> drawing the line at lines. If there's a line, it's over the line. If there's no lines, you can. There's lines been preserved. Johnny Cochran here. Yeah, no shit. Um, all right. I I thought it would be. I thought it, it, it would make sense. Why wouldn't she? I mean, I don't remember where right. she worked. If she worked at the county hospital or whatnot, but yeah, I I am glad that they talked Villian out of this. I think it would have for me. It would have been too much. I know a lot of people would have been cheering and loved it. Sure, uh, I'm probably in the minority there, but mm-hmm. for me, yeah, I'm glad they didn't go that way. Uh, later at the hospital, Jimmy decides to take a, a temporary emergency guardianship of Chuck to get him treated. The old tag. Uh, yep. Yep, T-E-G. He goes to, to tell Chuck, who asks about uh, the copy shop and how he got there so quickly. And he calls in Ernesto, who surprisingly says that he called Jimmy before they got there. Uh, Chuck doesn't like that. He sends him out of the way. And then out in the hall, Jimmy asks why Ernesto lied for him. And Ernesto says he's concerned about Chuck. He's really had it out to get you, or he's been talking that way. And also because Jimmy's his friend. Um. Chuck obviously realizes he's being lied to here, yeah? No, I didn't think so. I thought him sending both of them away was a good indication that, like, he, he almost rolls his eyes. Like, as much as a man who uh, is in this much pain, I guess. I think he's can... real, I think he's exasperated with Ernie. That's what That's I mean. That's how I read it. Yeah. Not that he's lying, but well, that, he he... Would, that he would call his brother in this moment because he's worried about his his sure. quote unquote boss losing his mind. That's I, possible. I was in I was like emotional ping ponging because when he got the way Bob Odenkirk a- acted this temporary emergency guardianship thing and he's like, "Well, it's it's necessary and I'm totally in the right and it can happen." I'm like, "Oh shit, is he going to do something crazy like I don't know retire like you know it's like is he's going to liquidate his stocks or have him commit like i uh, this shows you how dark i'm wanting jimmy to go with chuck right i'm like oh my god is he going to do something really subtly sinister with this temporary guardianship no he doesn't do shit with it yeah and then i was this close to thinking um that maybe ernie really did call jimmy and we didn't see it happen and this is like the perfect explanation for for all this, and that would have actually made you know help m- last week make a little bit more sense in retrospect. The Ernie concerned, like your brother's wigging out, and it's late at night, and I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And like J- Jimmy's already, you know, he would go there for his own purposes anyway. But and then they turned out that just Ernie is lying to cover for him because he's buddies. And I, I don't know how to feel about that because they've never hinted at all, unless there was that that one scene where you know Jimmy was in the mailroom in the flashback, and Kim was there. Maybe Ernie was in the background. Oh, or maybe, maybe Ernie was even eating cake. I don't know, but th- there's not a lot to suggest that him and Ernie were buds to where he would take this big a stand against the, the you know the the number one or number two guy at the law firm, right? Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I I felt like it was dubious that that he would be willing to lie for Jimmy here because we've never got a sense of their relationship at all, other than like they both maybe identify with each other, taking care of Chuck. Um, and what what that requires, but we've never really seen them interact very much. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy gave him a list of things to do, <laughs> and that was it. Actually, he gave that to Howard, didn't he? 
Yes, I think so. Didn't even give it to Ernesto. Yeah, it's so. not like he pit, handpicked Ernie. Yeah. But now it feels like the Ernie's maybe been his man on the inside this whole time. I guess. Uh, yeah, that that feels a little thin. Uh, I'm with you. That that lie didn't make a ton of sense to me. And and it still doesn't, even though he explains, look, I'm your friend. And and the other angle is a little strange to me that that Chuck is talking, you know, like he wants, like he's out to get Jimmy. Um, yeah. I, I guess if you buy that they're friends, that makes more sense. But Chuck was right. Like, he goes to that copy shop and the guy says, yeah, he was here mm-hmm. to Ernesto. So why would Ernesto act like Chuck's crazy? Like, oh, he's out to get you. I don't know what's up with Chuck. I don't, yeah. Ernesto knows something's up with Jimmy. Uh, yeah, there there is... As much as I like the series, and as much as everybody's justifiably in saying what a leap it took this this season, mm-hmm. it is a little little creakier. And I wonder if uh, Vill- the the Villigan and the Ghoul know that, uh, and they're privately worried about it themselves. Like, okay, we had we've had to we've had to do a couple contrivances and a couple unlikely coincidences to get this far, but now we're going to start doing some of the. And also, it's not just that, but I thought. Some of the stuff in the episode was I saw coming a mile away. Yep, me too. And some things also like it's it's neat in the moment, but the more you think about it, the more it doesn't make sense. Hmm, okay. And like you have to point those out when we get there. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to. But it's okay. like you know, Better Call Saul might be this ultimate binge show, or just freaking amazing. But like being able to watch it two and three times, some some weeks like last week, it's pretty amazing and it all holds together. This week. I found myself subs- disliking, not disliking, but liking and admiring the show less and less the more I watched it. Hmm. Okay. Like a lot Th- of stuff just started to unravel. Episode. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, yeah, point those out when we get there. Let's move on to Nacho and the guy with the hair, whose name I don't remember, uh, take the, the tied-up truck driver for uh, the ice cream truck out to the desert as Mike follows them. They, they go through a gate. And they lock it behind him, and Mike turns around because he's not going to follow him. Mm, I guess, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not a lot to talk about there. Let's move on. They're prepping Chuck for his test by sedating him, and they put him in the scanner, and predictably, he freaks the fuck out. Yeah. But, but he's unable to move. So, like, I I liked how uh, Vince Gilligan described this when he was talking with Michael McKean about the scene. He's like, give me more like pain. I want to see the pain on your face. He's like, "Well, I'm Michael's like, I'm sedated. I don't I don't feel the pain. Mm-hmm. There's there's nothing going on here uh, uh, other than my mental freak out." Uh-huh. Um so he he wasn't really showing all all that much emotion on his face. And then they did some cool editing tricks. Yeah, it almost like the way it portrayed almost makes you think that it's a real condition. Right, but like half of that is the sedation, right? Yeah, I guess that's <laughs> true. Him passing out. Yeah, who who knows what's actually what complicated stew is that's acting true. On his brain and, like there. there seems some dubious medical stuff here. Maybe even the like, hey, I don't understand. He's he's pretending, but at some point the body makes it real. It's yeah, like the matrix. pretty much. But yeah, so he passes out from the, the you know just the overexposure and the sedative. But at, I think that you would wake up once they administered a stimulant. Mm-hmm. Because, like, even if you're pretending or if it's psychosomatic, your first reaction would be to wakeful, and then your consciousness asserts itself as, like, wait a second, I just got blasted radiation, I should be passed out, and that forces you to pass out. You know what I mean? But there was no, it's <laughs> like, it's like the fact that he was legit knocked out for 20 hours, mm-hmm. medically unexplained, almost makes me think that there is something to his illness. 
Well, yeah, I mean, the doctor and, describes it as, as self-induced uh, catatonia. I mean, I, I'm uh, two seasons in, all I want is someone to set up a double-fucking-blind experiment. I want someone... I want someone... Right. Well, it wouldn't be double-blind, even a single-blind. I want Kim to leave her cell phone on... Well, they did, right? Like, the first time he was in the hospital, the doctor did exactly that. Left the bed on or whatever. Huh. Remember, she, like... Oh. But, I mean, something a little bit more definitive, where it's a little bit more isolated. But this is clearly stress-induced. I mean, yeah. it, everything, to, to me, says that Chuck is experiencing symptoms, but, but it's Jimmy all... Beli- Jimmy more or less believes it. Like, in his gut, he believes that this is real, because that's what he... First thing he went to, when he's like, well, your machine must have fried him. Like, I do think that... Well, there's a difference between thinking that the physical... That that Chuck is experiencing stress and that this relieves his stress and thinking that electromagnetic radiation is actually harming him in some so way. So do you not think that Jimmy thinks that there's a possibility that that's true? Because I do. Uh, I'm pretty firmly on board with Jimmy knowing that this is some kind of mental illness and that it's all stress-related. Like, but if he thinks that, why does he do things like ground himself when... Chuck can't possibly see him or know. Like, he humors uh, him in all the little little details. And the yeah. first thing he jumps on is, your machine must have fried his brain. I don't know. I feel like he believes it. And it's incredible to hmm. me. Okay. Uh, so, th- this is a scene, I guess, where they thought about making uh, one of the x-ray techs, Marie. Glad they didn't. <laughs> so, uh, Kim shows up in the waiting area. The test is taking longer than expected. And Jimmy's commercial comes on TV. And it's, it's a doozy. Gimme Jimmy. Starting up the beginning of the slogans. Mm-hmm. You know, Better Call Saul starts as Gimme Jimmy. Yep. Which I think might even be a better slogan. Gimme I, Jimmy. Gimme Jimmy is pretty catchy. Yeah. Uh, I like it. I like it. I thought the commercial was shaping up to be amazing, and mm-hmm. it actually was amazing. Gimme that's, Jimmy. That's one of the best, <laughs> that's one of the best uh, kind of ambulance-chasing lawyer videos I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh is that is that a legal commercial? I have no idea. Man, like, I don't. Do we know. have a law talk about nope. the legality of of that particular commercial? Nope. Uh, okay. I I, but I mean it's it it it's this Burt this Burt Macklin or whatever fucking Cincinnati where he's all dial four for more and he's wearing boxing gloves and right and you know like he's gonna knock out the other attorney. Like if you can get away with that, then just saying that you're reliable and trustworthy, I feel like. You can't guarantee an outcome, and there's a couple other things you can't do, but, like, sure, sure, why not? Okay. I mean, Keller and Keller can literally film the opposing attorneys shitting their pants. Yeah. Uh, it's like, Keller and Keller, <laughs> well, we better settle this one. Like, I don't I don't see how that is legal. Yeah. But it is. Them moving to Canada because they got in yes. contact with Keller and yes. Keller. Yes, yes. Uh, yes. The doctor comes out with good and bad news. The good news, nothing physically wrong with Chuck. The bad news, there was a complication. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk any more about this, but we can go right into the scene where Chuck's lying catatonic in a hospital bed. The doctor explains that she thinks it's self-induced catatonia, and Jimmy decides he's he's going to wait by the bedside until Chuck wakes up. He he harumphs down onto the chair, determined not to move. And I obviously, this is reflecting what we saw at the very beginning of the episode, where he missed the death of his mother. Now he's determined not to miss anything here. Uh, it makes me wonder, did Chuck tell Jimmy eventually about what happened with their mother? Because he seems very defiant here. And I don't know if it's just caring about his brother or if that incident is part of it. 
I don't know. I think if you love your mother and she died in the 30-minute window where you went to go get hoagies. Right. Regardless would, of whether. Yeah. Regardless of whether you knew the truth name. or not, that would be something that would be a formative experience. I don't think you make that same mistake. Right. Um, we missed I, – I think we didn't talk about this kind of quiet Kim and Jimmy moment, which is yep. like Kim brought her work to the hospital. And she's the type of person that's probably like, okay, I need to wait – a socially acceptable amount of time before I get bored and pull out the medical, the, the pull out these records. She doesn't believe Chuck shit. She thinks Chuck yeah. is a charlatan, uh, but she's trying to be sim- sympathetic for Jimmy. And I like Jimmy acknowledging, like, just just go ahead and get your stuff out. We mm-hmm. we could be here for a while. And she's like, right on, boss. And she just gets it out. I thought that was nice. That's nice. Like you're going to do okay. it anyway. I know you're just waiting because you don't want to seem like whatever. So just go ahead and get your work out. Yeah, she clearly. I mean, he I understands, guess she could he carry understands it. her, um, and you know that I I could see a lot of people getting pissed. Like I can't believe you brought your fucking work and my brother's in the hospital and all this and that. But uh, we might be he here for her. days, man. Days. Yeah. So of course I brought something to do. Yeah. If I brought a Game Boy, would you be mad? Yeah. Like. Are we supposed to sit here in silence? Yeah, that's what I'm and saying. And watch shitty murder she wrote or <laughs> I'm something? Say, I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying some people would yeah. have gotten... Uh, oh, I know. But, but Jimmy's just like, hey, yeah, bring it out. Do it. Yeah. So then we go to Mike and his gun guy, whose name I can't remember. It's uh, played by Jim Beaver. Yeah. And they're testing out a rifle. Does he have a name? Uh, I feel like he does. Yeah. I just, okay. I can't remember it. He's just the shady arms dealer in Albuquerque. Yep. Uh, it's two very cautious men planning one very cautious hit. Mike decides I'm going to buy this gun. They, you know, some, some dialogue about different types of ammo and shit like that. And he wipes the, the gun salesman wipes down the rifle before he, he gives it to Mike, Mm -hmm. just like Mike did when he refused to buy the rifle the first time around. Yep. Uh, I like that touch. You know, these are, these are two like minds here. They both understand each other. Mike's like, no offense taken. I completely understand why you're doing that. Yeah, no, I like their professional gun talk. Like, yeah, my dad used to watch a lot of fishing shows. Okay, <laughs> you know, where it's like essentially thirty minutes on PBS of two guys fishing. Yeah, and it reminded me a lot of this. Like these guys making these observations, and the other guys, like you know, but they don't want to. Hey, uh, you're using that number twenty night crawler. You know I am. You know, it's like that back and forth. Like, oh yeah, these guys know their shit. Uh-huh. It's just kind of enjoyable to watch professionals go about their their routine. Uh-huh. Uh, it does. So this guy, day or night, can meet you anywhere, even if it's out in the desert with your gun and help you sight it in mm-hmm. and turn this around in time for you to still catch the bad guy while he's out at his hideout. It's like this Mike so, knows, like, okay, they're going to torture this guy four or five hours. You know, it's like the. I think it's a lot longer than that. I think it's it's overnight at least. Um, I wish they'd done more to suggest a passage of time. Like this was a, another one of those steak. I needed pimento well, cheese I think they did. sandwich. Did they? I think they did with Chuck scenes. Right? Like we know Chuck was in there twenty plus hours. The oh. scenes of Mike are kind of interspersed before and after that scene. That's right. I think that's implying that so the Mike same timeline applies to Mike. It's going to be several days out here, or right? Because they're not days. just there to torture and kill him. Right? They're there to see what he knows and yes. see if Hector believes. That he that he didn't, you know, plan this. He wasn't a conspirator. Doesn't have half the the money. I guess Mike uh, would so have an idea while, how long that would take. I guess this this was a little 
you know, iffy for me it too. I was trying wor- to piece it, together it, the it, timeline. It gets a bit worse for my for me, but yeah, there, I've already okay. had questions. Right. Um, so time lapses. Chuck wakes up. Uh, Jimmy takes him home, and Chuck tells Jimmy that he wants to be left alone. So he says, "I'll call Ernesto back over," and he leaves. And then when Chuck's or when Jimmy's gone, Chuck goes out to his garage to get something. We don't see what it is there. Who but we see a lot of stuff in there. Tongs to search through a box for a tape recorder. A guy who can't touch electronics. I mean, that, he's done this before, hasn't he? I mean, he did that um, this fucking... with the phone. He got the chopsticks out. He couldn't oh, even press the buttons. that's what they're right? going for. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. He's just got this the electrical CM field thing. from AA batteries, man. Stop your fucking heart. You just went through right. a CAT scan. You dildo. Would he leave the battery? Why would he leave the batteries in there? I don't know. What if he needs his recorder it's later? A good way to have him leak I and guess. get shit all over the place. It's true. Um, it just, I just feel like it. Chuck is at the height of assholedom, even though he's right. <laughs> right. This is what drives right. me. Even though he's right, he's at, at the height of assholedom because Jimmy had you bent over and looped up, and he could have done whatever he wanted to you. He could have had you committed to the mental institution. Yeah. And there you go. Uh, your right-hand man, uh, Ernesto, is vouching for him and giving a perfect, but still you perceive with this... The only, the only, uh, it's just just the fact that he's right. Here's like, the thing: I've stopped keeping score on these guys, right? Like it no longer matters who did the most egregious thing or yes. who has the most racked up sin. It's now all about like these are two brothers who are at odds, and I understand the reasons for both of them being the way they are. Here's the thing: so though, I, I've stopped like J- who's Jimmy's in the motivation right. is always positive. Whether it's to get himself ahead or protect someone he loves, mm-hmm. he he seems to scam in 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 with a positive outcome in mind. Whereas Chuck is always scamming for the negative to bring someone down. No, Chuck's doing it for the law. Chuck's doing it for. I mean, you're not giving Chuck enough credit. He wants to do what's right by society and the law and and people you know who aren't Jimmy. He he does want to do these things for good reasons. I don't give a shit about his rationalizations. I'm talking about his goal. His goal here is to take Jimmy down. Certainly, but so was Jimmy's goal for earlier the, to take Chuck to take HHM down. No, he wanted to. He wanted to. <laughs> You're bring attributing him the up. Po- you are attributing that to Jimmy. What the are you positive about? the positive reasons for his scamming versus the negative reasons for Chuck's. You're just so you think you frame, have a bias you think, toward Jimmy, you think, which you think, I understand. You think sending someone up on federal forgery, corruption, whatever charges is the same as taking a fifty thousand dollar client from a hundred million dollar law agency? Like, and again with the expectation. We, so that, we haven't seen what what Chuck's going to do with this stuff yet. Don't assume that he's just going to leap directly to. Okay. I, I have some arguments that's against fine. why he would. That's that's fine. Uh. I I think it could be potentially he's going to present Jimmy with this, um, but that that's not within Chuck's character. I'm, I'm really confused as to what Chuck is going to do with this recording. I, yeah, I, like I said, I still think that Jimmy's scams are positive in their construction, and Chuck's are negative in and what they're trying to do. But you yeah, might be but right. I, I have I a hard it. time I when have... he does the silver dollar scam or the the uh, Rolex scam, like. None of those are positive. No, no, no. The skateboard scams. Yeah, you're right. None of those. None of those were positive. So, like, if that's a thing that Jimmy's doing, it's a, just a recent thing. Okay. If well, he's if he's scamming for the good of yeah of the people around him. Yeah. Well, and sometimes the good is for himself. 
but this isn't okay. You know, Chuck's not doing this to get to get ahead. He's doing it to uh, anyway. I've 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 articulated my argument well enough, and just repeating myself at this point. Okay. Uh, and also, I hate Chuck. Whatever the opposite of rose-colored glasses, like asshole brown shit colored glasses. Right. That's what I'm looking at Chuck I know. through. So <laughs> I know. Uh, so it's easy to have that view of Jimmy and Chuck, I think, because Jimmy does take care of his brother. Yes. Um, on r- repeated, like time after time, uh, Jimmy is there for his brother when he needs these very specific things. Um, we saw it like even in the, the flashback scene at the mm-hmm. beginning, like he knows what kind of sandwich or salad or whatever his brother likes. And he knows that his brother will sit there until he fucking passes out uh-huh. rather than leave his mother's side. So he's right. You get the sense that he's always kind of taken care of him in a way. Yeah, I know. He's the the fur-covered monkey. What I'm saying about <laughs> Chuck is that, I don't know. Uh, what's going is not only is he take all this attention for granted, but he also protests, like, I hope you know, if the shoe was on the other foot, I would do the same. And I do not believe that for a fucking second. Yeah. It'd be all about your brothers, weak-minded, you're scamming. Oh, you're on disability because you can't feel electricity against your skin? What a bunch of weak bull... He, it would just be this bullying bull stuff, and there's no way, no way he, as a powerful, big-time attorney, would take time to fill up his brother's ice bucket and get his propane yeah. for his lanterns. Right. And, like, there's just no... He's such. He's so deluded and delusional. That's where I agree with you. I, and I don't I think, think that's... Like, that I don't think is up for debate. Like, there's yeah. no fucking way the character of Chuck takes care of his brother the way his brother does He Chuck. might hire someone yes. to do it, like he an might Ernesto, put him in the but... best nursing home yeah. and the finest mental institution. But he's not going to go every morning and, and pick and up the paper bill. and no, the eggs no, and the bacon. Not. and Yeah. He's too important. Right. Uh, I, I am surprised that Chuck doesn't sweat Ernesto for the truth. Like, that's the first thing to do, I guess, unless you're going for, you're really trying to sell this idea of, oh, I fucked up and I'm quitting and retiring and all this stuff. I guess maybe you don't want to go back to Ernesto and try and know. sweat him. I don't know. I've I've been playing for the last 24 hours what this finale actually means in my head over and over again and mm-hmm. not coming up with much, man, because I just, like, it, it seems like it's... A very little probative value. Like, I can see this playing in a courtroom and Chuck like, see? See? And the judge is like, he is saying that he's trying to make his crazy brother feel better the entire fucking time. And when he says, like, you realize, oh, I guess. And it's a, like, all this stuff it seems like it'd be ripe for meaning. But if he's, right. and, and, and so if it has no, if he's just going to wave it around as a bloody shirt to affect Jimmy, like, I feel like Jimmy's smart enough to be like, you know what, Chuck, fuck you. Take it to court. See what happens. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little more at the end. Or just beat him to death with a lantern. <laughs> beat him on his head with a lantern, knock right. him unconscious, take him back to the hospital, get temporary custodial emergency ship, whatever, mm-hmm. and then take his ass to, because I'm saying... More than ever, I feel so much strong that if he had just had his brother committed last season for his own good, mm-hmm. none of this would have ever happened. None of it. He can't do it, man. It's a tragedy of him loving his brother too much yeah. to actually get him the help he needs. Agreed. Agreed. Mike takes his rifle to a ridge, and he's trying to line up a shot on Hector as they murder this Rifle driver. Ridge is a great John Ford, John Wayne film. Is it? Oh, yeah. Rifle yeah, Rifle Ridge. I have no idea if you're fucking with me or not. <laughs> I don't know John Wayne's catalog well enough. Uh, or John Ford's. 
he's unable to get the shot because Nacho's standing in a very unfortunate position, you know? He's not doing it on purpose. He's just standing there. Uh, then he hears the, the horn on his car going off, and he goes back to it to find a stick wedged in the seat and a note that says, don't. It just says don't on his windshield. Uh, what did you think of this scene? Well, I thought that the wipe from Chuck closing his box on the recorder to Mike opening his beigeous brown trunk hatchback gate thing was awesome. I thought Mike mm-hmm. looked like a total badass in his paramilitary body armor thing. I For some reason, I was struck by how easily the man trap gets down in that position at like 150 years old or whatever he is. He's got pads on his knees and elbows. He does, he's, yeah. As a young man, he didn't need that. Now he's, he's, he does. <laughs> Um, I was amazed again. Like my first thought is, as I'm watching him cite these guys in, I'm like, this could not be more different than what I'm seeing on the other plot. Like this literally has nothing to do with Jimmy and Chuck. Oh, yeah. And like, I can't believe that when they cut this stuff is so exciting that it feels like when you cut back to Chuck and Jimmy, it should be like wah wah. Like, god damn it, I'm tired of Picard and his flute. I want to get back to that rattlesnake tree branch, <laughs> and I don't. I don't. I'm I'm loving them both. No, it's all awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with what they're doing here, especially the sound design yes. in this scene. And it's incredible. Just the the silence with the cicadas this in the is desert. Six minutes long, is no it? dialogue. Yeah, and a lot of it's just blurry. Like I'm, it's, it, I mean, this is a signature Mike thing now at this point, right? I mean, he goes with the Kettleman's. He's done this. He's done so all of his capers. You know, Mike doesn't say much. And they're smart um, enough not to get the Ocean's Eleven kind of like jazzy right. caper music going. B- because it really helps when they cut from from his perspective to the perspective down at the cabin. Yes. And you hear like all the screaming and then it immediately cuts back. So you yeah. get a sense of what the atmosphere is like down there. Yeah. Uh, but you, you kind of stay with Mike the whole yeah. time. I almost wish they didn't do that, except for it is such a nice effect. It's Yeah, it's really cool. Um, and Vince made a big deal about how he was actually filmed. I guess usually when you see a sniper scope on screen, they just madden some lines. But he was actually mm-hmm. shooting film through the actual scope that the arms dealer was talking about. And that you could tell that made him really super excited. But yeah. no, it just really builds the tension. And then... You know, the cousins come out, and they drag this guy over to his grave, and Hector comes out, and then Nacho stands just perfectly blocked in the way. <laughs> it sucks, yeah. And you can just see, like, how the, the mic's face through all of this. And then when the horn starts blaring, I don't know. It's... And here's why it works for me, because, you know, if you're a Breaking Bad fan, you know the state that Hector's in uh, during that show. Okay. So, you know he's in it. He's not going to die. But things could happen to him right um mike could take a shot here yeah uh so i i really did feel like there was a lot of tension in this see i thought that was what's going to happen that they were going to separate as they uh because they all they all they also showed um a good job of like the bullet the fact that like you could see the shot hit and then two seconds later you heard it from mike's perspective right yeah yeah and there's like you know the the bullet's going to have travel time what i thought was going to happen is they're both going to start walking back to the trailer um, Nacho was going to get he's a gonna, bit ahead of him. Uh, Mike was going to take the shot, and for some reason, Nacho, Nacho stop. stops uh. because something's on the ground, and it it hits him, kills him, and then ricochets off and hits like Hector in the spine. I thought they're going to go uh. for that. It's just yet another, <laughs> you know, this is like the this is like just the snowball of half measures got happening. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I don't know, man. I 
on second second watch through mm-hmm. that all that all works but this horn situation so who wrote the note my my buddy's on gus uh it's probably not gus himself obviously but yeah victor, he sent a flunky, one of his yeah sent victory sent somebody to Tubac. write this note sure so yeah and, and i think you know the way that he got on to mike is because mike's on hector and gus yes. is probably at this point watching hector Yes, I mean it's. It, there's uh, a lot more connective tissue that needs to be made here to sell it, but right. This is my head. If you're cannon, Gus, but, mm-hmm. are you counting on Nacho exactly blocking his sight line because no, no. he got there too late to stop the hit? You're right, and he's blaring the whole, like this. You don't realize this, but in second and third watches, becomes so obvious what a hap, what a house of cards this whole situation is. If something is, yeah. happens slightly differently, you're fucked. Yeah, I mean, so the horn does alert Mike, right? So it's not like he leaves a note for him to just find after he gets back. He does alert Mike. And it's also, it makes it impossible for him to stay there because that horn keeps blaring. Right. The toughs in the shack are going to go out and try to find him. Yeah, it makes me wonder if they can even hear it because Mike could barely hear it, right? So either Mike's got hearing damage or it's pretty far away from even Mike, which tells me that those guys couldn't hear it. Hmm. I, I I guess, but again, if your goal was to stop the assassination, you were too fucking late. Right, I mean, I, or, or you the were question, cutting it a little too close. The question of how... No, you're too fucking late. Mike Mike had his, his, his head lined up for several minutes. If Nacho had just moved one foot in either direction or not stopped there, or Mike had, had taken up a spot 50 yards down the line, I'm just saying that... Right, you, but how soon can you get to Mike? Like... Well, Imagine I don't you're know. following Mike. I right? don't know. Like, uh, we need to put this note on his car. We need to get his attention and get this to stop. I'm just saying it makes Gus look pretty fucking stupid if he takes the time the the brand or whoever it is takes the time to to rig the horn and write don't and he's already shot Hector between the eyes. Sure, that would be pretty bad. And again, the only reason that didn't happen is because the writers are on the side of what did happen. And you might not notice it because how I awesome the scene is, so. but... Yeah, I mean... I don't know. Maybe I'm giving a little too much credit to uh, to the show, but... I don't know. Like I said, I... I you know, it's not like Breaking Bad never works some contrivances either, but this one bothered me more than I thought it would on, on subsequent mm-hmm. watches. Anyway. Okay. I feel like I'm shitting on this episode when I think it's a 9 out of 10... And this season is one of the great, you know, is a great season of television. But, but, I'm just saying. Uh, Mike's handgun, when he goes back to his car, mm-hmm. I, I notice it has an orange mark on the tip. Is that a mistake? Or does that gun actually have an orange mark I, on the tip? I can't imagine. If it was like, like, if you're talking about the orange tip barrel, there's no way I would No, 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 not, not that. It's like the second sight, like the sight on the front of it or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can. Uh, it's got a little orange tick behind. I mean, behind I got it. a neon green one. Like, they're, they, they're different. Right, it might be part of colors. the gun. I'm not sure. Yeah. But I also thought, hmm, is that a mistake? Is that them using fake guns with nah. markings and leaving it in accidentally? <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's probably just to, to help the site pop. Okay. Uh, so we go back to Jimmy's clients in the, the lobby of the new law office, and they're waiting around um, for this old guy to walk out the door so Jimmy can help him. Um, Kim comes out. Before we go on, do you think this yeah. is showing that Jimmy's already getting frustrated with the, the, the grind that must be elder care? It, it feels like it. I mean, he's trying to put on, you know, the the happy face here, but 
He's not doing a very good job of it. No. Seems like he's super frustrated that, like, you know, because Kim's working hard and doing all that stuff. She's got this whale of a client. Mm -hmm. He's working hard, and he's not the most patient guy in the world. And this stuff, I'm assuming, is peanuts. Mm -hmm. So he's like, man, I'm going to have to work. Like, I'm on it. This is the the legal equivalent of ditch digging Mm -hmm. for the rest of my legal career. Yeah. And so it makes a lot of sense the path that he might take toward criminality yeah sure sure towards being a criminal lawyer yep um although that always seemed like it was like waltz his first whale mm, with saul well yeah so once he cooks his 40 pounds of meth and yeah has like 1.2 million on the table maybe so you see saul's waiting room Mm -hmm. like none of that looks like it's a jackpot of riches either I mean, it's, it's kind of one of those things where he's, right, but he's, 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 he's got low margins, he's making up for volume, which... Right, but I don't think... I mean, he's not just a lawyer there. Like, he don't... I, I don't think that Saul is just a lawyer, right? He's clearly mixed up with Nacho. He knows yeah, about yeah, yeah. that guy. And sure. I know that he's already met him and that he... And maybe that's just residual, but I think he's going to get back into it in in a serious way Yeah, pretty soon. Okay. Uh, he's de- sef- certainly got a lot of... Um, specialized goods and services that he that he offers right. from his office. But I, I yeah. always got the idea that Walt was his first, like, jackpot. Hmm. Okay. I, I guess I'm not sure why you would think that. All right. So Kim comes out, and he tells... Uh, she tells Howard... Uh, sorry, she tells Chuck, Jimmy, all of the above that Howard called. She She lets the people in the lobby know... She lets the people outside doing the contract lighting mistakenly know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy calls him back, and Howard asks if he's behind this, and he's got a letter in his hand. We don't know what it means. We don't know what's up. Before you move on, yeah, a McGill family trait, having Kim fetch coffee. Apparently so. In socially inappropriate situations. Yeah, having her make <laughs> coffee, and she doesn't look too happy about it. Like, you can... You can see the trajectory that this relationship, this double office lawyer relationship, is going to have. Uh-huh. It seems like, like it's going to be Jimmy just abusing this office at all times. It seemed well, yes. And I called this. I said, wait until Kim gets a load sure, of his clientele. It's sure. going to be. And a this shit is show. not even like wait until the yeah. the super fat one percenter bikers show up. Wait until right. the meth mouth prostitutes show up. Wait, you know, just just wait, Kim. <laughs> Like, like this particular like problem can be solved with the receptionist, as he says. Sure, but yeah, I don't know. That's man, how ah, how long did the relationship last? I don't know. All right, let's talk about another fracturing relationship. Right. So Jimmy rushes over to Chuck's house, and once Chuck lets him in, he sees the whole place is covered in the space material that he's been wearing as a cape. Uh, Jimmy sits Chuck down, asks him why he's retiring. So now we know what the letter's about. Uh, Chuck says that the transpositional error he made on the Mesa Verde case, uh, because of that, he doesn't believe that he's sharp enough to do his job anymore. And then in order to change his mind, Jimmy confesses to changing the address on the paperwork. And when Jimmy leaves, we see that Chuck got it all on tape, thanks to the tape recorder, which we now know is what he got from his garage. Uh, which I knew we'll from the exact here. second that Jimmy walked back. I'm like, oh, he's recording all this. Right. I mean, as, did you? Yeah, oh, yeah. Because I feel like a, that's a, a universal away. reaction. This is being yeah. recorded. Like, why else For would sure. he go? Yeah, okay. Uh, but you can understand why Jimmy wouldn't think so, right? Putting, I, I mean, the, it's a good ruse to put up all this space material and say, 
you know, my not even my house has me safe after he's gone catatonic. Like you don't, Jimmy doesn't expect him to have a tape recorder. We do. Yeah. But Jimmy doesn't. Um, I'm going to laugh out loud if somehow the tape recorder, like the blanket made him record nothing <laughs> like, you know, that'd be right. Um, I don't know, man. I, it's, I, I felt like I was on Jimmy's side in this because, you know, like when he started confessing and he's like, it's insane how you got every detail, right? Like, you know, almost Bravo. But then he's like, you know, I thought you'd go, oh, man, I'd made a mistake and then go on like with your life like a normal person. But oh, well, wishful thinking again, like if I'm a judge and I'm listening to this, it sounds like a clearly obsessed man. It sounds like a person, a long suffering person. Right. Pleading with a person to another person to be reasonable. And this other guy is just being crazy. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, with his history, I I don't know how any judge would like convict Jimmy on this tape. I don't think you can be convicted just on this this case, and I don't know right. what the wiretapping laws are in New Mexico. I assume that they've at least done that due diligence, that it's not a two-party consent state or anything like that. Right, But right. Um, just you know, the basics, I just, I don't know. Like, again, I'm only a layman. Uh, our main legal correspondent is out with a newborn, but I feel like, yeah, that's a little thin. Like, it, that's the thing. Like, as cliffhangers go, if you don't buy the premise, it's like if, you know... Walt was being held up by something that was clearly a squirt gun. Like, right, but we don't. That's the structure of a cliffhanger, but I don't buy the debt, the threat. I don't buy the danger. Right, that doesn't apply here because the threat hasn't been made yet, right? He just has evidence, he has something. Now, but I how is he going to use this? We don't know that he's going to. So I have a, I have a bigger question like, how can he use this? I don't know that he can. I don't know that it's within his character. So, like, let's say he, he does take it to. The, the, he does take the legal route and he tries to get Jimmy convicted on fraud. I don't think that's going to work um, mm-hmm. because of all the reasons we just listed. The other way to go is to use this to coerce Jimmy to quit being a lawyer. Now he's already refused to do that. So unless you say something has changed here and that Chuck is now willing to do that, it's not within his character. So what can he actually do with his evidence? He could, what do you mean? Not in his character. I don't understand your argument there. What What are you talking about? So he already, like, I don't know how many episodes ago it was, when Jimmy was like, look, you don't want me to be a lawyer? Just say the word. I'll, I'll be, I'll go away. No more Jimmy McGill Esquire. But that's because That's Chuck it. And he's was, like, no, I'm not going to coerce you. It's not going to be like that. Uh, but you see, I, I always read that as Chuck thinking that Jimmy was trying to put him in a situation where he's confessing to breaking the law. Uh-huh. Like I never bought that as like that 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 Chuck didn't want to him to quit practicing law and didn't want to extort him because all of his actions were saying that he did indeed wanted that to happen. But he does flat out refuse to extort him in that scene. Nakedly when he's being baited into and when Jimmy could have a, a recorder in his pocket. Like I said I don't that on the I podcast. Mean, Chuck, I thought that was all right. Chuck like, oh shit, this is a sting. You're wearing a wire. Fuck no, I don't want any of that. And I think that I and, disagreed with you on that. And because well, I, I think Chuck is now that this exact situation was law. on was on the other side. Oh man. Yes, he is, but it is a justification to prop up his own enormous ego. I don't think this, it's just him. a justification though. Oh, you okay. give Chuck no credit. Okay. Is the problem. Chuck's worship of the law is no different than Walt's worship of chemistry. 
That's fine. That's okay. fine. But he's but he also has that as a factor for his character. You can't just ignore the idea that he has an immense respect for the law. I don't I didn't ignore Walt's immense respect for chemistry, but it didn't excuse the things he was doing. I'm not excusing it. Okay. I'm not excusing it. What I'm trying to say is he's backed into a corner here. He can't take it to the law because it won't matter, uh-huh. and he can't use it to extort Jimmy out of the law because that's not within his character. What I'm saying here is not that no, no. So that's, that's not that. Wait, wait. There's the actions. core. There's the core of a disagreement. You say it's not in his character. I say that's bullshit. I think it's entirely <laughs> right. in his character. Uh, we just disagree on this. The, there's o- no the way. only reason you saying it's not his character is because his, you know, overt protestations in in the episode. So uh, many, many times, and even before they really get into the shit that they're into right now, mm-hmm. he's concerned about these elderly people. He's like wondering why Jimmy's practicing this elder law and and worried about this paperwork and stuff like he strikes me as someone who is concerned about the law and and people through like through that avenue i i don't think you give chuck enough credit and you just view him as a monster like someone who's out to get jimmy i would say he's a monster and i do understand why he feels this way about jimmy um I mean, and I don't particularly like Jimmy. I think the things he does with Kim is pretty abhorrent, too. Sure. I sure. just don't see a lot of redeeming value in Chuck at this point. Okay. Um, I mean, we, we just have a fundamental disagreement on You know, the, 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 the slight thing is, like, and, and if we find out that essentially Chuck has misinterpreted um, the whole register scan that Jimmy was, was running and that Jimmy actually never did take money out, this was just all money that Jimmy got. Jimmy's dad got bilked out of by local hustlers. Yeah. Then Chuck's failure is complete in my in in in, in my view. Okay. And then it's like any credit extended him would be credit he shouldn't have, as far as I'm concerned. Whereas Jimmy, all right, well, we you know, scream. like it, it's it's easier to see. It's easier to feel sorry for someone who's a victim of their circumstances and is shaped by the things like beyond their control growing up. And maybe you could say the same thing about Chuck. I just haven't seen that. But Chuck seems like a self-made asshole, whereas Jimmy is an asshole of circumstance. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I I see Jimmy conning people out of money and property and uh, and their own independence, and I can't say that he's necessarily the good guy either. Oh yeah, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I I wouldn't say that either. Okay. Uh. Anyway, so I I don't know what he does with this tape. He might take it to Kim. He might take it to Howard. Have them do whatever they're going to do with it. Um, try and break up those relationships. I don't know. It doesn't seem like he really has a good avenue. And I'm interested in season three where they go with that tape recording. I, that's the thing. Like the on sec on subsequent watches, I just at the end of this episode they play this like a bomb. Like oh shit, Chekhov's recording. Right. And I just. I I don't see it. I don't see how this could possibly like uh, you know the tape in the desert that Walt made in the beginning of Breaking Bad. That was always like that's actionable evidence, man. Like that that is red radioactive hot. Mm-hmm. This stuff is is lukewarm, and I don't see it playing. Which means I don't see it getting Jimmy in in, in any legal danger, and I don't see Jimmy being coerced by it. Because right. that's the other that- thing is like Chuck's like I'm gonna play it for uh, Kim. Yeah. Jimmy could say Kim fucking knows. Right, but I like unless you're going to say that maybe. Jimmy doesn't know that Kim knows, which man, like no, he knows. Okay, good, he knows. yeah, good, because I don't know how to have that profound a disagreement with a co-host. <laughs> no, for sure. He okay, knows. so it's uh, like this, this, this again. If it's if cliffhanger has any kind of value 
as you know a a a hook hook for next season or a MacGuffin for next season. It has to have some real weight to it, and this feels like cotton candy to me. Right. You're you're searching for implications, um, what this means for the future plot, and we can't really see any at the moment. No. And and the thing, same thing with Mike and the Gus. Like I'm excited that maybe that's Gus Fring. Maybe it's not. It's something exciting for Mike, but it's right. a little boxed because I thought the execution was poor. It made the don't person seem lucky or weak or ill-prepared or all three. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I do have that fundamental problem, and that's why I was not super impressed, like overly impressed with the end of this mm-hmm. season. Um, I think it was great. There were a lot of tense moments, but I just don't see what route he can take with this tape. It doesn't. It doesn't seem to be the the smoking gun on anything. Nope. Uh, no matter what he does with it. So uh, I'm a little less than impressed with that that finale. But maybe I think th- th- they come around on it. I don't know how, but maybe they I do think it Chuck thinks it is because clearly the right. questions he's asking are legal dots that he's dotting and T's that he's crossing. And I suspect that's where they'll go with it, right? Like, Chuck like, thinks he's got a stronger case than he, he does. He said that and then, he was telling oh, the truth, fuck. and he said that it wasn't a felon, and he da-da-da-da-da. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, but because Chuck a lot of times seems like his respect for the law is so absolute that it's almost absurd sometimes. Like when he's rolling right. in on the copy shop guy and like, I am an officer of the court, and I will put you right. under officer of the court arrest. Well, he expects you- that everyone else has the same respect for it that he does and that it carries this gravitas with everyone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or it might just be that in his mind, because the, you know, he's a, he's a bit of a rules lawyer. And if he's technically or legally right, then everyone should just be like the idea that someone would just pull a gun on him and be like, well, fuck you, pal. doesn't even enter into his consciousness. Uh huh. Uh, what if he, (sighs) I don't know. I, the, I still feel like see, Kim is the vulnerable point. Did you here see for did, him. just quick point? Did you see the Man yeah. Shot Liberty Valance yet? No. Damn it! Because I kept on seeing a lot of parallels. Hmm. Okay. And that, that's by the way a commission podcast working on right now. The great. Yeah. That's why I'm all John Wayne and John Forded up right now. <laughs> yeah, and I know uh, the Villigan's a big fan of. He older, sure older shit is man. Western films like he that. He sure so. shit is. Uh, I'm gonna have to watch all ten of the John Wayne John Ford collaborations <laughs> now because I feel like. It's a Rosetta Stone for understanding a lot of what's going on in Vince in, in this in this universe. Yeah, uh, that's all I got for this episode. Well, Jim, we're we're rounding into the end. We just got the feed bag, the feedback bag, the mail bag, uh huh, the strap on and go through, and then the, we'll be. Uh, we should call off it the mail room. Sunset. Why don't we call that section the mail room on this show? We should. We've really missed a boat for two whole seasons now. Ah, <laughs> uh, I missed a mail room. I'm gonna miss it now because we're 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 riding off into the sunset. But season three, new feature, mailroom. Uh, you know, of course, we're not going anywhere. We're we're moving off of Better Call Saul, but we've got a lot of stuff coming down the pike next week. Game of Thrones, lots of stuff coming on later in the year. If you want to get all the content, if you want to help support us in creating that content, especially because the only way we're able to do all the output we are able to do is because of your support. Uh, go to club.ballmove.com. Find out how easy it is to sign up. It's as, as, as little as a buck a month if you give you the annual subscription or two bucks a month if you go month to month. You get ad-free feeds, so you don't have to listen to any of these awkward pitches by yours truly anymore. Uh, you get extra bonus content uh, between one and two f- extra podcasts. We get video feeds, so you can actually watch us live, record these things. It's, gets it, uh, get, it's the fastest way you can get it. We got live watches. We got 
bonus shows like Quip and silent movies and all kinds of stuff. You really need to go, and, and there's examples of it at the club.baldmove.com site. Uh, if you can find it in your heart and in your pocketbook to subscribe to us, we really would appreciate it, and it would help us out tremendously. Uh, and if you can't do that, there's always the Amazon.baldmove.com. If you're in international location, you can go to support.baldmove.com where we have our major foreign Amazon markets. But that's another great way. If you're shopping online anyway, using those links before you do so. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything, and it's significantly... We get like 33% thereabouts of our revenue from our Amazon affiliates. So it's a great program, and it really helps us out, and it's it's a great way to also support us. So thanks for going with us on this journey this season. Thanks for your support, and uh, we hope to see you in the future soon. Do we have some feedback? Oh, we do. Like, usually the feedback kind of, um, you know, uh, proportionally ramps up. This thing just got exponential the last two weeks. Like, it went from, like, oh, yeah, something I could bang out before lunch real quick to, oh, shit, I've totally misjudged how much we have. Yeah. Uh, how to make brutal cuts is what I'm talking about. Uh, James CF, especially last week, we had a lot of really good stuff from last week's episode that missed the cutoff and it was less valuable this week and also just for time. So Mm -hmm. I apologize for everyone that wrote in really thoughtful stuff and I can't use. James CF said, I'm really enjoying the Better Call Saul and I'm really enjoying Mike and BCS. This was for last week. He's smart, competent, measured, thoughtful, for the most part, five or six moves ahead of everyone else, which is why now, retroactively, I no longer buy his unfortunate demise in Breaking Bad, a subject near and dear to my heart. This Mike would never walk into that situation unprepared. He would never, in my humble opinion, let Walt get to jump on him. So, do you think it's possible that Mike is still alive and we will see him in a Gene flash forward? Absolutely not. (laughs) As much as I want that to be true, that this this is something... How much would that undercut that scene? Oh, a lot. Right. A lot. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. And and you can t- uh, he's he's talked about that scene like three times a season in behind her podcast. He really likes that final shot and that almost like Sam. I do too. Yeah. yeah, like and and I I don't think he would do damage to that that memory by undermining it that way. But I that's the one thing that he's do. I think he's doing damage to the legacy of better of Breaking Bad, and this is slight damage, and it's damage he's entirely justified in doing. This is not <laughs> replacing guns with walkie talkies and ET or having hot, you know, Greedo shoot first. Okay, right. Um, but it's hard. It, it gets as as this stuff get, goes on. It's harder and harder for me to believe that Mike did the things he did in his final moments of Breaking Bad. And, you know, okay. one of these days I'm going to, because I've been having a hankering of watching Breaking Bad season four and five, because I feel like that's a, a slight itch I have yet to scratch. We did all the retrospective podcasts when we're up to season four, and I really want to see right. uh, season four and season five again. But I, I bet some of season five doesn't sit well with me knowing what happens at this season. Hmm. Anyway, uh, Tyson S. says, Assuming the quality of the rest of the series of Better Call Saul remains at least as good as it's been up to this point, and Vince and Peter don't take the series beyond where Breaking Bad stopped, at least not more than short blips of Jimmy's life in Omaha, do you think in the future you'd recommend watching Better Call Saul before Breaking Bad or keeping the chronological order of the series intact? Um, it's a good question. I, I do think there's some stuff early on that only really works if you already know, like, for instance, who Tuco is, stuff like that. Um, and it might feel a little forced if you don't. 
Like who who's this madman? I don't buy this character. I, I, this is a lunatic. I think it's at least as likely that you don't even notice that there's anything out of place with Raymond Cruz. He's just this larger than life character and a larger than life pilot of a TV show. And maybe I, I just don't think it feels as satisfying when you're you're trying to figure out why this guy is the way he is. Well, we kind of already know, and uh-huh. and a lot of that knowledge I feel is built into the beginning of this show. But I I don't know. I mean. You certainly don't appreciate the the commercials that Jimmy's doing the way that you would if you watch Breaking Bad first. Um, I feel I feel like you would just appreciate it a lot more. Just watch it, you know, in the the order that it was made. See, this this comes up a lot. Like any time that yeah. you have a series that has chronological shifts in time, like you know, if if you're talking about Star Wars, if you're talking about Tom Clancy novels, it's right. like which do you read them in the chronological order? Do you read them in this order? Do you read them in the Nerdist recommended order, or do you do the boiled leather interlaced? It's like my advice is always to read things in the order that the creator released it. Yeah. Because that is the only way to kind of experience the series at a pace and kind of the way it was contemporarily enjoyed. Then on subsequent experiences, if you want to go and do remixes just to see how that changes your appreciation, but you can only see something once or for the first time once. And I don't know why you would, unless the creator said, Boy, I wish I could have put this out and had everybody watched it, and I made it with the eye of this is going to build on to. But usually, a prequel is made the opposite. It's it's building on knowledge yeah. you have from watching the sequel, quote yeah. unquote. So, and, and you're just you're not going to get you're not going to appreciate the things they want you to appreciate. Yeah, you, I'm always say, telling people to just read the shit in the order that is pub is, that was published, and then if you want to go back and and play around with it afterwards, do it. But uh, and certainly, we've gotten a lot of feedback from people that are watching this for the very first time, don't have any knowledge of Breaking Bad, and that's fine. Um, you know, it's going to... A lot of the mystery about Mike and the surprise at his capabilities are is going to be spoiled now. So there's a lot of setup and stuff that's just going to be... It's going to be more of like, oh, Mike is doing a cameo in Breaking Bad. Right. But I don't, I don't know. And, you know, the scenes with Hector might work better if you haven't sure. seen Breaking Bad. I mean, if you don't know which characters can and can't die, maybe yeah. that helps Better Call Saul a little bit. Yep. Uh, so, I, I don't know. Do whatever you want. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Shep uh, wants to resurrect the Stacy debate. After agreeing to buy her house, Stacy calls Mike <laughs> Pop for the first time. But when Stacy and Kaylee are leaving his place after working on a spike strip, she once again calls him Mike. To me, I saw a look of hurt and sadness on Jonathan Banks' face right after while letting out a bit of a sigh. That made me flip-flop as I now think Stacy was faking some sort of mental illness or breakdown and plotted to get Mike to move them into a nicer house. Hmm. Thoughts? I I don't buy it. I, yeah, I still don't. I, I think the sigh was more like, shit, I gotta get money. I, well, and, I gotta get back in on something. Well, and, and this is like, you know, I think the side is kind of like, wow, I'm ha- I'm having my granddaughter help me build this thing that I'm gonna use to take out a dude with, that's kind of fucked up, or <laughs> I've got this task set aside that I gotta do, and I'm kind of old, and I'd rather watch my old black and white cop movies, like, there's, I don't know, hmm. I but I, I don't think... Nothing I've seen shows that Stacy's anything more than a grieving widow who's got a little bit of PTSD about guns and violence and crime. Yeah, if that's what they're getting at, they're playing it pretty close to the vest, and I don't know for what reason. Which you could like, be right, Shep. Like I said, I, there's there's a lot of wheels going around in wheels. 
Uh, Jesse said, hey, guys, uh, I don't listen to your shows until Monday to get excited for the next episode. So I'm pretty sure you've already received feedback about this. But when Mike asked the waitress if it, quote unquote, snows in Albuquerque, I took that to mean that he was asking her where to find cocaine. (laughs) While not being my drug of choice, I once (laughs) had a holiday party where someone unexpectedly brought some. And years later, we joke about the Christmas it snowed. I admit they don't make it obvious. And I even asked my husband if that's what they implied. And he thought so, too. Uh You listen back to the way the conversation goes. It definitely makes sense. She even says something like. (laughs) You can come to my house to find snow. That sounds like <laughs> a drug. Shovel my driveway, meaning I have a shitload I of it. I just got rails of it. <laughs> I'm the goddamn Pacific Railroad. Uh, not the weather. Plus, uh, it seems like Mike tried to take down Hecker's operation through the cops, but that didn't work. So now he's trying to get connected with other drug dealers, which may be how he gets involved with Gus Fring. Plus, if Mike was a cop, I'm sure he knows the slang for Coke. I thought this made me smile and yeah. laugh because... I feel like unless you've done cocaine, you would never make that connection. And I do think that Vince Gilligan is the squarest person in Hollywood as far as I sure I think he might have been to talk about smoking dope. But I don't think I don't think he's snorted fat rails. No, he's, nose candy. He, he likes bourbon. He's yeah, a, he's a bourbon man. Yeah, so it's like I, I don't, I don't think at all that that's what's happening. But it, it made me right. laugh out loud when. When when I got the email, so uh, Derek from Wisconsin, something that crossed my mind during the season finale was Chuck's medical bills. This episode showed Chuck getting an ambulance ride to the ER, a CT scan, having him stay in a hospital for what seemed like a day or two. Surely Chuck's medical bills would not be cheap. One explanation could be the HH&M provides insurance for him, but I do not recall that ever being mentioned earlier when he's in the hospital. Chuck could also have his own private insurance that he pays for himself. However, these bills would add up, and the show really hasn't addressed how much money Chuck has saved up to pay for these expenses. Uh, if he were had no way to pay for these bills, I can maybe see Jimmy being forced to pay his bills so Chuck doesn't speak up about the recording at the end of the episode. Also, if Chuck actually quit or retired from HHM, it would be possible they would stop providing insurance. I think the... And I don't know whether this person is um, not American or from some other place that... Uh, wait, did I put... Oh, it's from Wisconsin. He's from Wisconsin. Uh, but I just assume that a name partner on a big ass law firm that's got several floors and that many employees mm-hmm. is rich, bitch. Like, not only that, but his insurance is top notch. Yeah, he has they, the best still, insurance. He's still money an employee on the payroll. They yeah. got they got white glove, anthem, blue cross, blue shield, and he has got so much money. He hasn't been paying the electrical bill for like two, three years. He hasn't paid cable. He's got so much money, y'all. Right. He doesn't now, go outside. He has got so, so much money. Now, let me throw a monkey wrench in. Season one, Jimmy was overly concerned about paying for uh, uh, about paying for anything. I mean, okay. he, he didn't have any money. And there was some line about him like going to Chuck and saying, you're broke, essentially. Because like, he wouldn't cash his checks, remember? He like refused to cash these these checks from HHM, and I don't know if he's been cashing his checks since then because they were big checks, right? They were like $24,000 or sure. something. Uh, and that was just, you know, his salary for the two-week period, the mm-hmm. month, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is he cashing his checks? He must be now, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, the difference between your liquid capital and, like, how much you've got in stocks and investments and different right. pr- diversionary yeah. programs and... How much you've got, just like, I guess, your 
what the fuck, man? You're like one of those stupid baseball players that just has their game checks in the lot. Who there was a Manny Ramirez, I think, was famous for like someone went to clean out his locker and he had like 50 game checks that were like hundreds of thousands of dollars he had never even cashed. Why? Because he's got the mind of like a five year old. I don't know. Um, But I don't. Yeah, there's no way Chuck is close to being personally insolvent. Yeah, I don't. I I can't imagine. I don't think this is a way you can flex on him. Um, me personally. Yeah, plus that's not what Chuck's after, right? Chuck doesn't give a shit about the medical bills here. He's after Jimmy. Sure, sure. Uh, Jenkins B said, the episode just approves overall Jimmy is a better man than Chuck. (laughs) Ha ha, Jenkins. Person after my own heart. When Jimmy's commercial was talking about integrity, this led him to choosing Chuck over work calls and success. That's why he's turned his phone off. Chuck, however, has resented Jimmy forever from his mom, the wife, the outgoing personality, etc., Jimmy cares for his brother greatly and just wants him to be proud of him, but Chuck seems only to want supremacy, the Chuck supremacy, and being justified even if it means throwing a family under, or his family under the bus. Mm. Yes, Jeezy. (sighs) Yes, young Jeezy. Yes, Jimmy is a sleazy con man, but Chuck became a Jimmy or a Saul by pulling off this stunt. He has been tainted, and any clinging hope of moral fiber he had is now shredded. After years of trying to prevent Jimmy from turning into Saul, Chuck will be the one who finally makes it happen. He knew that Jimmy cared enough about him to confess, so he exploited his compassion to screw him over. So I still don't know why, how he's going to screw him over, but I, I think that is the angle they're taking with Chuck. Like he, you know, I said it's not within his character to use this to extort Jimmy out of the law, but it might become within his character. Like he might get so fed up with Jimmy that he resorts to a Jimmy tactic. To get just this once, just this once, he'll say, he'll justify it, uh, rationalize it away to get Jimmy out. I think he already, I already think he already, I mean, this is it. Like, this is a classic Jimmy scam. Right. Now, uh, now, well, you, you know what I mean? I He will break the law in order oh, to get Jimmy out of the law. Okay, okay. Like, he'll, he'll, you know, forego his principles for the greater good, of course. You know, I don't. If Chuck believes his medical condition, why hasn't he? I mean, I think he should keep this Faraday cage up. Yeah, no. Like, I'm, like if you, you should have an inner sanctum in your house that's like a Faraday cage where you can go to be completely and totally healthy. Mm-hmm. Like, I... Instead I, of getting the cape out all yeah, the time. Yeah, you should have some kind of, like, maybe it's even a panic room if you don't want to do the whole house, but, like, you know, with a nice, comfortable chair, with some books. A cup of just, tea. Yeah, or, or your bedroom. You spend a third of your life there fucking Faraday it up, man. I don't get Chuck. And the bathroom where he spends the other third of his life. But he's mentally ill. That's the thing. He he needs to be committed, man. He should have been committed. Jimmy is is, sowing the seeds of his own destruction, ironically, by quote-unquote looking out for his brother. At at the very least, he needs therapy. He needs to talk with someone. Yeah. Uh, And he seems unwilling to do that, so maybe commission is the only way to go. What would a healthy Chuck tell Jimmy to do with sick Chuck? Uh, that's a good question. Chuck at his Jimmy best self, at his strongest moment, would say, "I don't really want to live like I. This this I'm a I'm a I'm a fool. I'm I'm a, I'm a figure right. for derisement. I'm not effective in my career. Mm-hmm. I'm not effective in my life. This is not how I want to live. Get me help. That's what I think. Yeah, I'm still looking forward to seeing how Rebecca plays into his illness. I feel like I'm kind of surprised there. that that's the dang a dangling Chad this season. Yeah. That they played that out, and you know they played the they they're playing a long game here. 
Alex C said, I imagine a lot of people think that as soon as we come back to season three, we're going to see Chuck walking into a judge's office, cassette tape in hand. Mm. My prediction is we'll have no mention of it again for quite a while. It'll just be a piece of leverage that we'll know Chuck has over Jimmy that Jimmy doesn't know about. I think Chuck is just going to hold on to it for a while, hoping for the perfect moment to threaten Jimmy with it. Mm. I, you know, set up a larger plan, maybe. So. Yeah, I'm just, I just, I just, I keep coming back to how in the hell is he going to threaten Jimmy with this thing? Yeah. How is this going to, because if I'm Jimmy, I'd be like, you know what? Take it to a judge. Fuck you, old man. Well, maybe this is piece one of the evidence, uh, the array of evidence that oh, he's going to that's collect. True. Now that would right? be like if he, he's going to get all the material he needs in order and then go to the judge. Because I feel like, I don't know if, if, yeah, whatever. I, I, I don't know anything about the law. I was just Neither thinking that I. if he could find a way to tape a private conversation between, you know, Kim and Jimmy, where they both talk about this and not in like any kind uh-huh. of forced situation. But that I don't think you can have a zero party. <laughs> That's probably illegal. Recording. Yeah. Like you probably without a court order and being an official law law yeah. enforcement agent. I don't think being the officer of the court is enough. No. Uh, Jake from New York says this show is one of the most expertly made shows on television, but I can't help but see it as a wasted opportunity. What if the Vela Gang had started a brand new series with a new story and new characters? Their ability to let a story grow organically is what made Breaking Bad great. And Better Call Saul, they are clearly pumping breaks and shaping characters with their ends in mind more often than not. They did this with all the skill in the world, but it feels like a huge limitation on their talent. Which would you be more excited to see? BCS Season 3 or True Detective Season 3 handed over to the Villa Gang? Oh, God. What does that control. look like? Well, that's a fantasy, right? Like, Nick Pizzolatto is going to let that It's about go. meth dealers. Uh, you could tell a weird occult story in the fucking Southwest. No problem. Hell yeah, you could. Just because they failed to do so in season two. How about a brand new show based on whether whatever new demented story the Villa Gang has in his head? I, you know, I've never thought this, and except for maybe we might have touched on this in the season one preview. But this has right. got this. This is one of those what ifs. Like, is this the story that Pete and Vince really wanted to say, tell, or is this the thing that they thought would be funny? And then they got greenlit, and now they're kind of stuck doing it. And they do like the characters; they do, yeah. and they're having a they're having a ball making the show. Mm-hmm. But for the creative, I don't know. Like that's I've been thinking about this ever since I, I read this email, and I'm I, I don't know. Yeah, I, this does feel. We were worried about what this show would be when it started out, and I think it's it's become a thing in its own right uh, that's worthy of being on the air. And this won't be the last thing that the Villa Gang does, right? Peter Gould and Vince Gilligan and Kelly Dixon, all those people will go on to do other things. Tom Schnauz, they're all going to do more stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and they're all reasonably I, I mean, young. I, right. I don't, this isn't like it's this forever. So, like, we'll sit back, enjoy this, and then see what they do next. Because honestly, there's no way they're doing another thing within the Breaking Bad universe, right? After Better Call Saul is done. There's no fucking way. They go back and tell the Jesse in high school story. I mean, they could, like, they could do, they could do a hard-boiled... They tell the Gene story they after... Could, they could do a hard-boiled, like, the shield set in Philadelphia. I mean, no, there uh, are, if they want to... Like, but they don't do those. There's no way they do those, right? If I put a gun to your head in season four and said Vince Gilligan does Better Call Saul, full blown out, realized yeah. comedy drama around the call, I would say no. Saul, 
Yeah, you would say there's no way they can do that. Right. There's no way. I'd say exactly what I'm saying right now. So, <laughs> but but really, there's no way they can do that, right? <laughs> I think there needs to be there needs to be an intervention. Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul and Al Goto mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> needs to go. Uh, he with, could whip some ass. He needs to go up there with some kind of stunt rig, and they need to go to Peter and Vince and say, "Hey, we love you, mm-hmm. but we can't let you." You know, you got to move out of Albuquerque, man. P- Peter Gould needs to fake uh, passing out, smash his head on something. <laughs> sure, with that crazy say, rig. Vince, we're done. We're done with Better Call Saul, right? No uh, more Breaking Bad universe. We're going to do something <laughs> else. Uh, we we got to get you out of the Breaking Bad universe, Vince. Yeah, I don't know. I'm um, bad for it. It's it's weird because like I I I don't know. It's, it's I want them to do something else after this. Like I do too. But like as far as like telling them this. if they shouldn't do it now, like I don't know about that because there's probably a lot of people out there who think we should not be doing a Walking Dead podcast. But you know, we it, it, it uh, we 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 like it. It's a certain part of what we're doing sure. now, and we we like that part. And I wouldn't hate for someone to come in and be like, "Oh, you're squandering your potential." Blah blah blah. blah. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to give Vince that same and Peter. Well, that same slack, right. yeah. And I'm sure they'll call me we tomorrow are. and say, "Thanks, thanks, Aaron. We really uh, appreciate us. You take, you know, you, you had some harsh criticism for the finale, but we really appreciate you protecting our creative th- uh, freedom. Thank you, thank you so much." <sighs> All right, off my soapbox. On to Dan from Manchester. Oh boy, Danchester. Uh, <laughs> that's his new nickname, Danchester. <laughs> Uh, was it just me? Danchester United says, was it just me or who was on, else was underwhelmed by the season finale? It was a really good solid episode that had some great moments, but when the credits rolled, I had to double check that it wasn't a 13 episode stretch. <laughs> the whole point of the season is to have arcs to end and have some kind of resolution. Yeah, sure. Not every plotline has to be cleared up, but also uh, not. You can't clear up none at all. The start of the season had to backpedal away from Saul and the rest was set up for next season's event. So season two will be just... The one that before it got really good. I mean, you could say the same thing about Breaking Bad, though, honestly. Yeah. Seasons one and two and three were not what really made Breaking Bad what it is. Uh, I just I think three three achieves a peak that they continue to go through with, with four and five. But, you okay. know, whatever. Sure. Um, that's not saying one and two is garbage. No. By any stretch it's of still imagination. Great. I've, I just I've been rewatching one and two and they're still fantastic. It's, it's, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, they just keep aspiring to new heights. Um, but, and I, I don't know. I mean, they, they found a lot of ways to creatively backpedal, you know, uh, uh, Walt and Jesse at both. And right. in season two, it's like the whole arc is them wanting to get out of cooking meth and getting sucked back in. Over season and over. Season two arc is Jimmy wanting to get, you know, out of the Saul business and getting sucked back in. So like, mm-hmm. It's a style of storytelling, and I'd be lying if I said that it wasn't gripping at many, many points of the season. Right, and to me, it's all about the human drama of it. I mean, you know, Breaking Bad had this fascinating underlying thing of yeah. Mr. Chips to Scarface, but it's ultimately about the characters and how they relate to each other. We talked about this a bunch, but he also says Jimmy's best way of wriggling out of this would just be to have Chuck committed before he goes to authorities, yes? Would any of us mm-hmm. even disagree to that? The man should clearly be in some kind of care. That's the thing. Like, I wouldn't even say it's wriggling out. It would be, you know, not. I don't know what Chuck does when he comes out healthy. 
because it's you know if he wants to bend his mind to Jim, maybe he would. Maybe he would. Uh, I mean, I hope that they would go into some therapy about his relationship with his family and his brother. Maybe they would all come out of this healthier. I don't know, but yeah, that does seem like it's something that's been suggested in both seasons. That the medical is like, please have this man committed. Let's go to work on him. I don't know. Uh-huh. Uh, Jay Johnson from Chattanooga says, I'm thoroughly enjoying Better Call Saul. I am, however, finding it to be a little too predictable, especially when compared to Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad was one expect- unexpected turn after another. Few of us could predict Hank taking a dump or the Lily of the Valley or even the box cutter. We all saw my- Chuck's hidden tape recorder coming a mile away. Mm-hmm. We knew, all knew, is Mike going to be pulling those cables and the hose of nails across the road. Yep. We knew as soon as we saw him slide the first nail in the hose. In fact, we all know who left a note. Gustavo Fring. I thought it was interesting. Maybe. I saw, I saw an interview sure. with... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Maybe. Maybe it's Gus. Maybe. It's fucking Gus. It's got to be, right? Do you know that that... So we played that name game where if you take the first letters of the titles and you rearrange them as an anagram, it's, it's Fring's back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vince and Peter said in the interview that that was t- entirely intentional. They meant for that to be... They huh. were just... They, their idea was... That after the episode aired, that Pete was going to tweet something out as a hint, and then people would be like, as they're debating the authenticity of the note, it'd be like, oh my god, what if it's Gus? And it'd be another like fun hand grenade to toss into the conversation. Okay, the internet putting its internet brain together and solving this two weeks made it seem like the note is, oh fuck yeah, it's Gus. Which that's 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 storytelling that gets out of your hand if you plot this almost alternative reality game. Yeah. And and it, but don't intend people to solve it until it's red. It, it's the opportune time to solve it. I don't know what you do. It's like season two of Breaking Bad. Yeah, um, th- that's exactly what happened there. Except the internet wasn't looking as closely. Sure. At Breaking Bad, and I don't. I'm sure people solve that, right? Like, I remember the names being put together after the fact. Yes. But I'm sure there there was talk of it out there because I wasn't paying attention in season two. Yeah. I yeah. uh, we didn't start till season four. Well, there was no. There show. was actually one guy on Reddit that made a fairly accurate prediction mm-hmm. very early on, but he was like one of the lowest rated comp because everybody <laughs> thought it was ridiculous. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. Uh, but that's the other thing with this with this note. It's very reminiscent of the way that Gus operates because if you remember that scene where uh, Gus w- where Walt was driving up to Gus's house, right, intent on killing him, uh, he's got a gun in his car. And he gets a phone call from go home, Victor. Go home, Walter. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's just how these guys operate. Yeah, they they just say a couple they words. Send a one word text. Poyos. Right. Right. Yeah. That's that's totally a, the mo of yeah. these guys. So no, but I I totally think it's I totally think it's Gus. Yeah. Um. But I will think that I don't know that that would be obvious. We would be saying like, oh, is could it be Gus? With a lot more than like, oh, it's got to be totally Gus. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, it's unfortunate for them that the the, the time didn't work out. Uh, Sean. But what do oh, the overall thought about this show being a bit predictable? It is. He's part of wrong. it is the future for a lot of these people are set in stone. That's true. Yeah. So, like, what do you want? You the, the the title character. You know he can't die. You know he can't get disfigured. You know he can't be barred from practicing Although law. He can get. He can get fat and worse hair. If you go back and you watch. Season one uh, with Saul uh-huh. of, of Breaking Bad, season one. Is it season one or season two? I thought he comes out in season two. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah okay. I think it's it's whenever you know Peter Mayhew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steps in the shit. It's Brandon. I know. Uh, uh, whenever Chewbacca he gets looks involved, like a sack of shit. Like I am amazed Bob at Odenkirk. how good Bob Odenkirk when, looks in this series. Yeah, well, it, it's night and day. Really? I, I didn't remember, but my god, it's a huge change, huh? And I don't know if that's just better makeup when or he's characterization. Out in the desert and he's talking about really he looks like shit. Huh. He's fatter, like he's got no, he's got just a big jolly neck, he's got terrible hair, like super thin, uh, too long in all the wrong places, it's, <laughs> Bob Odenkirk is a nightmare in Breaking Bad season one, I think that's partially characterization, Okay, but they really do a 180 on him I hope he's series. not listening to this podcast, it'll just be a single tear rolling down. Hey man, I'm saying he's looked better than he's ever looked. Yeah. So congratulations, Bob Odenkirk. With the best makeup artist in the world making him look 20 years younger, he <laughs> hey, looks better than I saw ever his looked. makeup artist. She was not good. <laughs> what are you talking about? She oh. let she let almost let him keep the fucking thing on his neck. I saw that. Oh, that. Okay. I thought you were yeah. I was like, I thought you were talking about the real life makeup artist. I'm no, like, no, Jesus no. Christ. No. Jim's off the rails. <laughs> He's talking shit about professionals. Okay. And while we're at it, Vince Gilligan. That's no. right. God damn it. Michelle McLaren, I'm coming for you next. Um <sighs> Man, my heart rate's just spiked. Spiked. <laughs> thought we were talking shit about professionals now. No, no. <laughs> As opposed to the other professionals we talk shit about on the reg. Right. Like Scott Gimple. Like, you yeah. can't you can't badmouth the hairdresser on... Ba- what are you doing, <laughs> man? She'll never come on our show now. You're right. I apologize. Sean from Phoenix says, Villigan and the ghoul pretty much admitted in interviews that Gus was a certainty for season three, probably early on, so I wonder why he didn't appear in the finale. I can't help but be reminded of The Walking Dead's recent atrocious season in there and wonder if there's some kind of AMC connective tissue issue. <laughs> Would it have been better to show Gus in the final scene of season two or really go Walking Dead and tease his presence in post credit stinger? Or since some fans have never seen Breaking Bad might not have reference, just play the show as it was. Curious on your take. Uh, I, th- I think it works as is. Like I'm in Same no here. hurry to get to Gus, frankly. Yeah. Um, it looks like he is going to be around very early on, but like... Uh, Man, I don't know. I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, I you're talking to the guy who wouldn't have a problem if Giancarlo had just mugged right into the camera and straightened his tie. Right. Like, a, as he left a don't note, okay? Uh-huh. You would probably fucking I'd be like, unglued. that's one too many cameos. He's so, getting too cute. I mean... Here's the other thing. AMC has nothing to do with the production of this show. Yes. Let's just be clear about that. It's Sony. Sony yes. through and through. They, so, they sign checks. That's their involvement. Right. And they air the show. Like, a lot of people have this misconception that AMC just owns the production of this thing top to bottom. Sure. They don't. They do. for the, well, That's like we had the opposite confusion. Dude, but they do for Walking Dead. They yes. own all that stuff, Lock, Stock, and Barrel. And Halt and Catch Fire. Right. Same way. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's going forward. They're not working with creators unless they have the total control. Seems like it. And that's yeah. a goal anyway. Um, but you can't strong arm the, the villain. Nope. He knows where to bury in the desert. Uh, Dan from Mogador in the UK. I'm pretty sure that's where Frodo through the ring. <laughs> he had the journey to Mogador. Yep. Uh, you know, that's based, how I remember it. Yeah, based on real life Mogador. Uh, I'm sure I'll be on my own with this, but as much as I've enjoyed the series and loved it, I think the pacing and what they're trying to do is fantastic. But their execution over the last couple episodes has been poor for me execution okay last week and that's the thing like i noticed there was a pretty sharp division in people's opinions in this last episode yeah so that's why this mailbag is more of a a mixed bag i think uh last week there were issues with jimmy arriving at the copy shop at just the right time and mike appearing out of nowhere on the roadside along with one or two other things 
Chuck working everything out so perfectly so quickly was another, but because last week was so enjoyable for the action, we didn't worry about it too much. This week had many more issues for me, and I wasn't really saved by the action or story development. The opening scene was a bit of an embarrassment. Mrs. McGill opens her eyes the second Jimmy leaves the room. Miss McGill says Jimmy, Jimmy as her last words. She promptly dies. Jimmy turns up at the hospital and sees nobody else until he finds Chuck around the corner. It just felt awkward and forced. The first thing Jimmy asks is, did she wake up and say anything? Such an odd first question as she's been in a coma. I take a little issue. I think you're right on until you get to five. If Chuck refused to leave his mother's side until she died or whatever, and then he sees him sitting in the waiting room... Mm-hmm. After his mother has been moved from the room, I feel like that's a natural question to ask. So, oh sure, yeah. yeah. But this is this is the result of when you've broken someone's suspension of disbelief. Now they're just out for blood. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was watching something from some Hallmark or the People versus OJ during this scene. Ernesto's reasons for covering for Jimmy felt very fake. Are they really good friends? If so, why did he go to the coffee shop in the first place and then drive Chuck back there? It might turn out later there is no, or there is more to Ernesto's true intentions, but if there are, it will surely only feel even more forced at that point. What do you think about this point in particular? Uh, I also felt like Ernesto wasn't honest with Jimmy about why he lied. Totally. Really? Like, not completely honest. I also felt like he just didn't want to get in the middle and he felt awkward and like he just wanted this to end. But he got in the middle by being afraid to get in the middle. But he would have already been in the middle of it, right? Like he didn't but he didn't want to cause more problems than he needed to. I I don't know. There's something on his face that says he's just uncomfortable with the whole thing. Agreed. Or maybe he cares about Chuck and he thinks that maybe even if Jimmy was involved that I, I, it's hard for me. I if 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 this guy is concerned with with Jimmy getting got by salt by Chuck, it is hard to believe that he would go out. I mean, the easiest thing in the world, if you didn't want to get in the middle, would just be like, "Hey, boss, I went and talked to all the copy shops, and none of nobody had seen him." Right. Right. You know, like I, it, it does feel. I mean. People, but that's the thing, like, real people do do weird things. Like, they'll go to a certain point and they hit a breaking point. So, you know. Well, that's what I mean. Like, he could have, like, maybe he was doing Chuck's bidding until he had to actually be in a fucking room and confronted with all of this shit. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, look, I'm uncomfortable. I called Jimmy. I'm leaving. (laughs) Uh, And finally, the final scene with Chuck and Jimmy, I felt like uh, what has happened uh, wait, I feel I like what has happened and how Chuck has basically employed Jimmy style tactics to catch out Jimmy. But again, execution poor. I thought it was so obvious what he was doing. As soon as Jimmy left the room, it was waiting for him to uncover a tape recorder. And if it was that obvious to me, why yeah. shouldn't it be obvious to Jimmy, who's supposed supposedly a master con artist who has seen these things coming from a million miles away, even when he is a kid working at his dad's shop? Well, that's easily explainable. I feel that he's got why a Jimmy blind falls spot. For it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but I do agree. The execution on that, it was so easy to see. Yeah. Um, and you've talked about this. Maybe this show, like, the writing get a... Not, formulaic's not a great word for it, um, but just a little too obvious. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and I agree with him. I mean, Breaking Bad didn't feel like this. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just that we're used to with the way that exceptions. Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould tell a story yeah. as well. Yeah. So, like, when we didn't see it for five years in Breaking Bad, it's only because we weren't familiar with their storytelling. Now we're seeing all the ins and outs of it. 
Well, I know that the last time that the Villa gang got clever about working in titles into some big overarching story, it, in my opinion, blew up in their face because I think the ABQ, the, the 737 down over ABQ was mm-hmm. the biggest debacle in Breaking Bad history. Yeah. It could just be that this is history repeating itself. They, they got, like, the giggles in the writer's room about how awesome this is going to be and if they can pull it off. And then yeah. they didn't stop to really think about, oh, does this, you know, they, they got excited about all their shenanigans. I don't know. I don't know. Um, really uncomfortable criticizing the Villigan as much as I am, but... Uh, uh, you know what? It's not me. Call it's, him out. It, call up. Call out his makeup artist too. It's that's. I'll leave that to you. It's not me. It's Dan <laughs> from Mordor. Okay. So what do you want? He's probably an orc or something. Uh, one last thing to add. Jimmy's ad. Um, or did I skip Jimmy's a bunch of ad? Yeah, Jimmy's ad. Like this. Okay, is, this is again. This sure. is another department from these failures, suspension of disbelief. Like it's just all gone to shit for him. Oh boy. Uh. Jimmy's ad, why did he go through all that trouble with Fifi and the flag? It seems a bit over the top now that we've seen what he's trying to achieve. And now it feels like Fifi and a schoolyard scene were more about giving us comedy relief rather than actually fitting into the narrative. I don't agree because the commercial looked fucking sweet. I thought so. It looked like a big budget thing that they filmed on the cheap. Like it's it's right. the, the whole champagne p- taste and the beer budget. Uh-huh. That is Jimmy's commercial. And I'm... Now, I am sympathetic because I found both of those sequences to be tedious. Hmm. Like, it's it's the kind of, like, droll, you know, the, the everybody's kind of poking the ribs. Isn't this funny kind of humor that I don't, I don't like that? Like, I like surreal. I, I, I like a little bit of bite to it. This is just, it's not even slapstick. It's just, you know, guys yelling rutabaga, rutabaga, and, or rhubarb. And, yeah, I, I get you. And I, I felt that more in the elementary school uh, scene that I did in the Fifi scene because it's just it's just more of the same, R- may, right? Maybe because it's just you know re-rolling that. Like, but, like I really enjoyed him losing his mind at the old folks' house, the bingo last yeah, season. That was incredible. If they'd done that bit three different episodes, mm-hmm. where the only thing that changed was the setting, then it probably wouldn't as play as well. So I don't know. Yeah, but they clearly like giving. Think of if they took those scenes out. What does what does Jimmy have to do that's funny? Like you're you're almost losing the essence of what the Saul Jimmy character is about, right? Right. I think they've skirted the ragged edge of making these episodes funny anyway. Yeah. Like even with those scenes, they're just barely clinging to the comedy in this show, which is surprising given who Saul is. Um. That. But that's the other thing that I think this commercial does and serves a narrative purpose is that it's moving. We can see the pieces being put in place to make Jimmy into Saul, right? Mm. You have to have those stepping stones. You can't have it be like, well, he went from, you know, this battle with his brother directly to being Saul. Mm-hmm. You got to get there. And so, like, this commercial, having him go and con all these people and, and film this thing, this is not just showing us a comedy moment with his commercial. It's also showing the progression from one character to another. I think that's important. Okay, is that uh, the end of the feedback? Are we done? It is indeed. Okay, I do want. We're not going to have a recap, so I do want to take a few minutes to just talk about our feelings on the season in general because I feel like um, we did talk a little bit of shit about these last two episodes, but not all shit. I mean, I immensely enjoyed. Like, I, I think I said this on the on the cast on both both weeks. I immensely enjoyed watching it. And the first watch for both of these was ex- uh, exceptionally exquisite. Right. Um, and the other thing is, like, I think the reason is because articulating 
Like when you say, hey, I really love this scene, it's self-evident. Whereas when you say I didn't like something, you have to articulate why. Um, yeah. And yeah. it feels like – It feels defensive. Like if it takes it feels... you one minute to say you love something and two minutes to say you hate something, then your hate is going to seemingly outweigh the love just because you give it more right. attention. So the, the thing that I really liked about this season that gets kind of overlooked in these last two episodes is the relationship between Chuck and or sorry, not Chuck and Jimmy between Jimmy and Kim. Yes. I think that was one of the most important aspects of this whole season. Uh, and Jimmy kind of wanting to stretch his legs, be who he is. Is Kim going to let him? Uh, how much does Kim like that about him? How much can Kim tolerate that? And him trying to find him? his balance between yeah. his inner huckster or his inner, inner hustler and his outer need for respectability and acceptance. And it feels almost a little strange that we go out on this Chuck and Jimmy note uh, for the end of the season because I felt like a large chunk of it was not directly about that. Sure. It was more about Kim and Jimmy. But that was always lurking. Like, it, you it know, was, Because yeah. Chuck is, you know, whether you believe all of my conspiracy theories about him and, and Howard and, and uh-huh. all that or not, I still think that you can't argue that he was pulling at least half the strings against Jimmy this season and against Kim. Right. And especially as it got closer to the end. Sure. So, um, yeah, that you're right. The Kim and Jimmy relationship surprisingly believable because I, the whole yeah. time I'm thinking, I don't know that I would buy Kim allowing herself to be lured into this relationship, but they introduce new elements of her to where it's like, it's, it's this side of believable. I like the continuing bread trails we're getting about, you know, um, the secret, like Jimmy's secret past with like, whether he stole from his dad, Chuck's secret past, what happened to him and his wife, what caused him mm-hmm. to be in this tailspin, I think that's super fascinating and like it's almost excruciatingly slow. Yeah. Like the appetite I have for this information versus what he is, do- you know, what what the the Gould and the Villa gang is is dishing out on my plate, mm-hmm. way imbalanced. Like I could get two or three more episodes of this, and I'm not getting you know, but a scene or two, a couple right. cold opens. And that's the thing that I said up front in this podcast is. I want more of it. Like, yes, it's not like I'm disappointed by this finale at all, really. I mean, there are yes. a couple of, of minor quibbles with it, but overall, it left me just wanting more of this story. Yeah, uh, desperately. And so, the idea that I have to wait another year to get this uh, is a bummer, but that's a good thing that they left me wanting more. And the fact that the Man Trout show is peacefully coexisting with the Better Call Saul show, yeah, it's like if the last season of Daredevil they had the Punisher. But then there there was no Daredevil component to Matt. He was just a lawyer. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, how does those two shows go together? But that's right. what they're doing, and it's working. I don't I don't see how they're getting away with cutting from this pulse-pounding shit with Mike and all of his capers to the yeah. emotional devastation of Jimmy and not, you know, maybe they are alienating some, some viewers. But for me, like, it's both. Like, I'm anxious to get back to both of them. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm tapping my foot through to Jimmy stuff and like, oh god, thank God, it's a mic, it's it's, it's Mike now. Um, yeah. I'm amazed that they're able to balance that so well. Yeah, and they've really done a great job showing me who these people are and and their motivations, why they're doing the things they're doing. That's that's never been more consistent. You know, like show like Breaking Bad, uh, maybe it's slightly better for me. Um, but still, this is some of the best stuff on TV. And it so. looks amazing. The show continues to look amazing. It continues to push the bounds, the boundaries of what you can do with, you know, 
uh, visual storytelling, and mm-hmm. we're all the the richer for it. You know, like whether you think that Vince and company should should move their shingle over to True Detective or HBO, which yes, eventually <laughs> oh, I would like to see God. the Villa Gang go over to HBO, right? Because you listen to their insider cast, anything. and you know that they're darker. You know sure. that they're a little more vulgar. And Vince and- has so much affection for the X Files days, and that just crazy creativity. I would kind of yeah. like to see him do some kind of Monster of the Week show paranormal thing on hbo <laughs> be interesting yeah or maybe give him that fucking kirkman thing that cinemax you don't you haven't seen any of that but kirkman i guess has got this other comic book that cinemax is adapting okay um may give him something like that like you know something where he's got no bounds and maybe you can set an albuquerque since he loves it so much but yeah no i'm i'm excited i i'm excited because for next year because I think getting Mike with Fring is going to be fascinating. Yeah. And I do feel like that next season we won't have many questions about what shape this show is ultimately trying to take place. If we do, that might be a problem. But I'm expecting that we're going to come out of next season with a kind of an in-destination insight. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're at the top of the the roller coaster right now. And a Walt Jesse cameo in every other episode. Every other. Right. Every, like, if they go more than seven out of... 10 episodes i'll be disappointed but yeah I, that's the other thing it's like I'm, I'm curious to see where your cracking point or whether you'll just stop worrying and learn to love it eventually. i think if, yeah i think that's more likely they're just they're, they're, they're boiling the frog operation boil jim <laughs> yep. they almost turned it up too high uh this season but i enjoyed it all right well that's thoroughly. the episode again uh you know we're closing up shop for the year uh if you'd like to send us feedback Wait, you- we're still doing game of thrones right <laughs> Closing up, sh- closing up the Jimmy shop. Okay. We're shutting the, the double dentist down, mm-hmm. uh, and we're going on to Game of Thrones. But you can still send us feedback at better castsall at baldmove.com. Or better yet, get on the forums uh, to discuss it with people. And uh, we hope you do follow us over to Game of Thrones. we got a lot of other cool stuff coming down the pike this year. Um, you know, Presumably more leftovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, presumably uh, Mr. Robot season two yeah. i say presumably because i haven't seen the actual schedule yet yeah uh i want to take a crack at westworld on hbo if that ever hits and again this you year. know this little show called game of thrones coming back this weekend yep lots I'm of excited. stuff to follow along on 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 bald move so uh uh thanks for all your feedback and your support and uh we will see you on the next show see you